the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt. I'm Christiana Villegas, co-host and event planner of Marquardt Law Firm that also sponsors the show and our breakfast adventures. Like today, we went to Roof of These. Wasn't it great, Todd? I love that place. And you know, the most important thing I love about it is that everybody seemed happy to be at work. The waiters and waitresses and the cooks and everybody, they provided such great service. Indeed, it was very pleasant. Food was good, too. (laughs) And very big tacos, which is always a surprise for me. I came here from out west, and the tacos are usually the street size, and being able to have a nice fat taco for breakfast, it's very hearty. But aside from going over our breakfast adventures, what's the purpose of having Talk Law Radio? I'm so glad you asked. The mission of Talk Law Radio is to help you discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. And the State Bar of Texas wants us as lawyers to inform the public about the law, but because legal advice must be tailored to specific circumstances of each case and laws are ever-changing, Nothing provided in this show should be used as a substitute for the advice of competent legal counsel. So contact an attorney like Todd Marquardt at Marquardt Law Firm if you have questions about the law. I've heard they're pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you're tuning in to hear that mystery voice, we are joined today with Ms. Haley Palmer, our own paralegal here at Marquardt Law Firm as well. Welcome, Haley. Well, actually, Haley's position is law clerk. Mm-hmm. Oh, my yeah, apologies. She's been to law school, so we call her law clerk. And I'll explain a little bit about more about her, and she can talk about her background. But first, let's begin with a prayer. Of course. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give us. Please forgive us our sins our mistakes, doing the wrong thing, or failing to do your will. Be with all Christian families, Lord, granting the strength, mutual affection, and grace to care for our friends and loved ones who may be suffering terminal or irreversible illness or injury. Please help Reverend Patrick Erickson, Haley Palmer, Christiana, and me to give good information to the listeners about the law and gospel of death and dying today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you're tuning in, this is Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. We're also on Facebook today doing a live stream. So go and look up Talk Law Radio, and you'll see that we only have three guests here in person. We'll be calling Reverend Erickson in the later segment of our show. But you mentioned about the advanced directives and death and dying. Why this topic? Well, this topic is so important. It all started back in 1891, <laughs> oh, wow. and even before that. But uh, in 1891, there was a court case which established that people have an individual right 
to possession and control of his own person. Now, it's strange that you would need a court to tell you that, but uh, just like everything else in the law, it has to be uh, long-winded and complicated. Then, in 1976, there was a, a New Jersey case uh, styled in Ray Quinlan, where a woman named Quinlan fell into a coma after an evening during which she took uh, tranquilizers and was drinking alcoholic oh, beverages. No. So she uh, slipped into a coma, and um, they decided to uh, withdraw some type of life support, and she kept breathing. Mm-hmm. Oh. And so she was in a vegetative state after that for some time, and uh, the physician said that there was essentially no hope for her uh, to live a normal life again, and they wanted to withhold and and withdraw life support at that point, and the doctors said no Mm -hmm. because they were worried about uh, liability. There there was no... um, court that had ever decided that uh, it was okay for a physician to withhold life support at that point, even though physicians had done that for families. But anyway, that that's where the debate over uh, whether it's okay to refuse medical treatment at some point, that's where the debate got started. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the uh, advanced directive. Well, uh, some people call that the living will, but it's really not about living. It's about um, withholding life support and, and allowing yourself to die naturally, and it's not a will. It's not a disposition of assets upon death. Uh, so the the better term for it is advanced directive or directive to physicians. That's what we call it in Texas. And that's where you get to decide, if you have a strong preference, whether you want to withhold or withdraw life support in the event that you're suffering from a terminally or irreversible ill or illness. And most of the time that means you're in a coma or a vegetative state. Is that the same thing as those documents? What is it? I, I've heard it's called a DNR, do not resuscitate. Is that the right term? A lot of people confuse those. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, it's a common uh, mistake. Uh, DNR stands for do not resuscitate, meaning you don't want CPR, oh. which is when they pound on your chest and, and breathe into your mouth to bring you back. And the... It's different. The reason it's different is because a DNR has to be signed by a physician. Mm-hmm. And it's more of an immediate thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's considered to be doctor's orders. Mm-hmm. So that's why a physician has to sign it. And uh, so even though a lawyer can tell you about it and even sign it in a lawyer's office, it still has to be signed by a physician. And so you take it to your physician's office and discuss why you want a DNR Mm -hmm. because uh, the statistics I've seen say that CPR is 70% effective. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like some of our audience are probably going to be making scheduled appointments after their vacation holidays. Mm -hmm. We are taking questions today. If you call in at 210-308-8867, you're listening to Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Today's episode on advanced directives and living wills. Our guest, Haley Palmer and Reverend Erickson, will join us in the later half of our show. So next, there was a, a Supreme Court case uh, called uh, Cruzen. Cru- Nancy Cruzen was um, also rendered incompetent. This was as a result of uh, injuries in an automobile accident. And her parents, who had been also appointed legal guardian for her, uh, requested a court order to withdraw artificial feeding and hydration treatment. Mm. And the Missouri court held there was not enough evidence in trial that she would have wanted that type of life support to be removed. Mm -hmm. What kind of evidence would they look for? (laughs) 
Well, the standard that they were looking for was they needed clear and convincing evidence that she wanted that or didn't want life support at some point. She did have a roommate that testified that uh, Nancy never wanted to live like a vegetable. Mm. But the court said that wasn't enough because it was, that, that statement's too broad. It's not specific enough about dealing with uh, the withdrawal of medical treatment or of hydration and nutrition. Well, then it sounds like we're going to have to cover more about what helps you make that decision or at least what kind of conversations you should plan with your attorney. So don't change that channel. We will return here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. The number to call will be 210-308-8867. That's 210-308-8867. Stay tuned with us here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. Have you been wanting to learn about a will or a trust but haven't gotten around to it? Now is the perfect time to learn about this vital information. The attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. We educate our children so that they're prepared for the future. Call Marquardt Law Firm at 210-530-4278 to show your family that you are prepared for the future. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marcourt. I'm Christiana Villegas, and we're joined here today with Ms. Haley Palmer on the topic of advanced directives and living wills. So I, I wrote a, a biography for you, Haley. Okay. And uh, so I'll just uh, say that you're a law clerk at Marcourt Law Firm, mm-hmm. uh, where you help attorneys draft estate plans uh, research the law, draft uh, legal pleadings, and talk to clients about drafting their estate planning documents. Mm-hmm. You graduated from Texas A&M in College Station. Yes. In three years. Three years, yes. Wow. How did you do it? Um, it was an accident, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, no one believes me when I say that, but I came in uh, with a lot of credits from high school. Um, and then I took 16, 18 hours every semester. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, that does make sense. <laughs> and then you went to Baylor Law School. Yes. And you graduated uh, with your Juris Doctor. And uh, I tell people now your burning desire is to pass the Texas Bar Exam and earn your law license. Yes. Is that right? Yes. And so um, you're going to share your experience of surviving a coma today? Yes, I am. Yes, she woke up, and she's here to tell us about her experience. So uh, what led to the coma? So um, it was all sort of out of nowhere. Um, I ended up um, with a large pseudocyst, about 37 centimeters, um, and then my body took on a bunch of fluid um, because of that, and so then my lungs started shutting down. And um, they have this procedure at Maine Methodist here in San Antonio. Um, it's fairly new. I just attended the second year for the survivors of ECMO. And um, if you don't know what ECMO is, it's extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, um, which it's a form of life support. So you are on the life support drugs. Um, to keep you alive and everything. And then what they do, because in my case, with my lungs shutting down, they oxygenated my blood by pumping it out and um, giving my lungs a break. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and then at some point you slipped into a coma. Yes. So um, with the ECMO, um, I was on that for about six days. I don't recall any of it. And then after that, um, I was in a coma on life support um, for about a week after that. And then I just remember waking up. And what happened after you woke up? I was, of course, a little disoriented. I knew I was in the hospital, um, but 
the hardest thing was figuring out what day of the month it was and what month I actually was in. Um, but the doctors would always come in and ask me, do you know where you're at? Do you know my name? What day is it today? Um, and so, because they weren't sure where my mental capacity would be after mm-hmm. everything. Right. Most people that spend so much time in a hospital won't know what day it is because they don't have to write the date down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything just kind of blends in together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Haley, why don't you tell us what, why you're so passionate about talking to people about directives? I'm very passionate about it because... In my case, I did not have one, um, but fortunately, my parents were able to step in and um, make the decisions for me. Um, however, I was previously married, and had I still been married and not gotten a divorce, um, if he would have, he would have been the one with the decision making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I have a strong feeling that. I probably wouldn't have gotten any sort of form of life support. Um, and if I did, it would have been a huge struggle in my family and arguments, and um, it just wouldn't have been good. Yeah, so you encourage people to write their uh, instructions down. Mm-hmm. Well, Haley, how long were you in a coma for then? Um, about, overall, about two weeks. Oh, so how fortunate it was that your situation, although dire, was only for a short amount of time. What was that other case, though? Wasn't a woman in a coma for a number of years? Oh, yeah, that was uh, Terry Shivo. Mm-hmm. It, it was uh, what Haley hopes other people will pr- uh, prevent by writing their wishes down. Uh, she had a, Terry Shivo had a heart attack, and she had... Uh, been without oxygen for a long period of time and they did CPR and brought her back to life but her brain had suffered uh, without oxygen and so she they said she was in a, a permanent vegetative state that there was no brain activity but her parents thought that she was getting better mm-hmm. well after about 15 years her husband decided uh, Terry never wanted to live this way mm-hmm. And uh, the and the backstory of all that is that he already had another mm-hmm. family, had <laughs> kids from uh, a new woman, and her parents said, "Well, yeah, Terry had a conversation with us, and she said she did want us to do everything we could if she were in this type of condition." And so they took it to court again. If you don't have anything written down in Florida, they had to prove what. Terry Shivo would have wanted. Mm-hmm. And the husband said, no, I had conversations with her, and she said she never wanted to live like this. And so it went all the way up to the Supreme Court of the United States, and the Supreme Court said, well, you have to follow the law, and if you don't have a directive in Florida, then there's a list of people that can make this decision for you. And at the top of that list was spouse. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. And so the spouse said, uh, remove the feeding tube and and uh, allow her to die naturally. So if you have a strong preference that you absolutely never want to live that way, then you have to sign a, a directive to physicians. If you have a strong preference that you absolutely want them to do everything they can to keep you alive, using life support, then you sign that. And I think it's um, a great document, too, because not only are you getting your wishes known, so there's no question, but also it keeps things like court cases coming up or just family arguments, that there's no question as to what your wishes are. Right. Having something written down, Mm -hmm. that's where you... You, you tell your loved ones what you want. Mm-hmm. So one of the steps that you can take is calling an attorney and setting up a consultation so that way you can go over these decisions and put it to paper. In fact, Marquardt Law Firm can help you set up that consultation if you dial 210-530-4278 or visit com. M-A-R-Q-U-A-R, D like David, T like Tango, 
lawfirm.com. It sponsors this show here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. Tell us a little bit more, though, about what makes this document more effective. Well, let me share a real-life example. So I'm sitting uh, watching TV with my family, right? and the commercial comes on where the guy's about to go into surgery, and uh, he's asking the nurse about the surgeon, and she says, <laughs> oh, he's okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love yeah. that commercial. <laughs> yeah, and, and then the surgeon comes on and says, hey, I've been reinstated. After three oh, years. Oh. Uh, almost. <laughs> almost. And, and uh, so I told my son, Thomas, I said, I'm putting that in my <laughs> medical power of attorney. Just okay is not okay. <laughs> so, but we also talk to people about how they want to be taken care of. I call that the take care of clause. Mm-hmm. So a lot of attorneys you go to, they'll just fill out the form for you. Who do you want to be your agent? Do you want to be in a coma? Do you want life support? We take it a step further and ask a whole bunch of other questions. If you could direct your loved ones to take care of you in a specific certain way, how would you do that? And then I give suggestions. Mm -hmm. So then what helps make sure that the person you pick is going to have the best interest for your medical well-being. Well, you want to pick somebody who you think will always act in your best interest. Like for Haley, it, it might be her parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for me, it might be my spouse, or it might be my son, Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also suggest that you pick somebody that's nearby mm-hmm. so that they can go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Physicians and other healthcare professionals are some of the highest trained professions in the nation, uh, but they're so busy. Mm-hmm. So then it's probably not best to name a family member or a best friend who says, I'll go through anything for you, wide rivers, high mountains, whatever, I'll be there and might be a couple thousand miles away, might be a little too late. Yeah, right. So I... You have to balance those different factors. If if you only have one person that you trust, of course, that's going to have to be it. Mm-hmm. But then let them know, give them a heads up. Hey, if I'm in the hospital, I want you to be there right away, and I'll pay you back. <laughs> so then what happens if you name the person and they decide they don't want to make that decision or to follow through with your wishes? Are there any consequences for that? Well, we like to have a couple of backups, right, Haley? Yes. So we we have an alternate, and if that person, if your number one can't be there or if they happen to pass away, then, you know, you just might have to explain that or have a written statement attached to your medical power of attorney to let the physicians know that the alternate is going to be making the decisions now. Yes, we definitely encourage um if there are several people that you can trust to list alternates. Um, and I, we always advise, too, to give a copy of your medical power of attorney to someone that's appointed so they mm-hmm. have it with them and they're not searching for it. Right. So then if also making these decisions should be consulted with your doctor, your physician, would an attorney need to be present during that meeting as well? Does an attorney need to have a physician during their consultation? Probably not. Um, the, they can just merely make their power of attorney and directive uh, available to the physician, maybe put it into their medical file mm-hmm. or their electronic medical record file at the physician or healthcare inst- institution. And if you're worried about that, you can. Uh, deposit your medical power of attorney or directive online Mm -hmm. so it's stored in in the cloud so to speak and then you carry a card in your wallet or purse that says if you find me and i'm Mm -hmm. unconscious dial this number or go to this website and uh, you'll have access to my directives okay then so do you need to submit the original or does that need to be kept under lock and key 
Well, you don't have to have the original. It, it, it'll say on the document that a copy is effective. Uh, we also uh, encourage people to have a HIPAA authorization mm -hmm. and release. HIPAA is that federal law that makes your health information so private. It mm -hmm. stands for Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. And you name people who you give your physician permission to talk to. Mm -hmm. And so they can know how you're doing. So then these are a lot of items that not everyone has knowledge of. Not everybody is able to go to law school and retain that information. So go and visit marcourtlawfirm.com, M-A-R-Q-U-A-R, D like Delta, T like Tango, lawfirm.com. Enter in your information to our chat box, set up a consultation, but don't change that channel. When we return from this break, we're going to have Reverend Erickson join us back here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marcourt. I'm Christiana Villegas, co-host of this talk show, and we are here with Ms. Haley Palmer, and soon we'll be connecting with Reverend Erickson, talking about advanced directives and living well, both the law and the gospel. Are you on the line? Yes. Okay, great. So uh, Reverend Patrick Erickson is on the line with us. He retired in 2015 from Peace Lutheran Church in Garland, Texas. Is that right? That's right. Okay, yes. good. In retirement, Reverend Erickson enjoys pursuing his longstanding interest in evangelical Lutheran theology and writing poetry. You have some poetry books out there, Pastor? Well, not any, not any books yet. Just oh, um, okay. Just publications, okay. journals, and magazines, and and that. Yes. And you're going to help us understand what the gospel of these end of life issues are. Yes, that's yes. That would be my, you know, would be, would be my um, pleasure. What would you say it, is the central end of life issue? Many will tell you that the key issue has to do with letting the dying die on the one hand and or mercy killing or euthanasia on the other. And so how how does the gospel um, weigh into that? Well, um, probably to, to deal with uh, the actual um, mechanics of end of life and the part that um, that uh, uh, we all face uh, at the end of life in terms of death is aiming at death uh, oh. ever a solution uh, to the issue of dying which brings us to, to euthanasia. Is euthanasia an option? Generally speaking the medical profession uses the word euthanasia with considerable hesitation and only uh, I stress only in the sense of deliberately shortening life, despite some social engineering advocates who, <laughs> who define it as gentle death or death with dignity or mm -hmm. assisting nature or choosing the moment. Right. Rather than the goal being to care for the dying while not needlessly prolonging the dying process, and that's an important distinction, um, rather than the goal uh, being to care for the dying, while not needlessly prolonging the dying process, euthanasia aims at either deliberately hastening death or willfully causing it outright, as well, in the case of physician-assisted suicide or, or physician-aided death. What would Jesus and, say about euthanasia? Well, um, last Sunday, uh, I think probably the, the, uh, the issue is, is what... Uh, what he would do exactly about about the whole issue. Mm -hmm. And last Sunday in church, many Christians, and at least many Lutheran Christians, 
heard from his own lips, um, not just what Jesus would do, but what in fact he did. And in St. Matthew, that was the, the gospel uh, for the occasion, uh, for the third Sunday in Advent in, in Lutheran circles. In St. Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 5, um, you recall when John the Baptist sent his disciples to ask Jesus whether or not he was the Messiah, Jesus answered, Go and tell John what you hear and see. Uh, first, what you see. Mm-hmm. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. And uh, now, what you hear. The poor have good news preached to them. The poor have the gospel preached to them. This, of course, is just a short summary. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are full of accounts of all Jesus did for the hopelessly sick and dying, and even for the dead, always caring and uh, never killing. And that's uh, really the... the, uh, Probably the main thing is is whether your whether your treatment is aimed at at ultimately at death or or whether it's um whether it's your your whole purpose is is caring for those that are that are uh, at the end of life. Yeah. So um, I was going to ask if euthanasia is not an option for end of life consideration, what is? Um. Is care? Yeah, care. Right. Um, care. Christian care. Um, what does that entail? And, and not probably, not probably just for Christians either, but for those who who affirm the sanctity of life at life's end, uh, along with Christians. How do we care for one another at the end of life? Um, how do we receive care from one another at life's end? Uh, are we caregivers and receivers, or killers? Mm-hmm. And um, at this point, I'd like to to just speak of of something. It was um, done for for us uh, probably now. What is it? Nineties? When are we? Almost thirty years ago. Um, in response to the issue of euthanasia, the Ramsey uh, Colloquium of the Institute on Religion and Public Life, which is a group of was a group of Jewish and Christian theologians and ethicists and philosophers, scholars, besides producing an excellent declaration on the subject, coined a phrase. Uh, which goes to the very heart of the issue and has entered the public consciousness and and discourse. And that phrase is, uh, always to care, never to kill. I'll uh, repeat that, always to care, never to kill. Uh, Is your treatment of the dying, while not needlessly prolonging the dying process, always to care and never to kill? Or is the treatment directed at hastening death? if not causing it outright. So the distinction is, is vital. The, the outcome is everything. Mm-hmm. So what is the goal? You know, so what are you aiming? if deliberately shortening and or ending life is out of the question, what's the distinction between intervention aimed at hastening death or on one hand versus the decision not to needlessly prolong the dying process and let nature take its course? It's uh, in, in, one of the things that enters into, and, and Todd touched on it earlier, um, is the distinction between uh, what's often called ordinary care, um, that which is ordinarily necessary for, for all of us, and um, food uh, and water, uh, nutrition and water, is, um, is often considered um, ordinary care. Mm-hmm. Um, extraordinary uh, are are those those uh, measures um, that that are in it, that enter into play um, over and above over and above providing just the basic necessities. They call and those expert heroic, technology. Excuse me. Heroic yeah, measures. Yes. Yeah. Extra heroic is is another expression for mm. it. And and it's um it's. Again, I think that the the important thing is is what is the aim? You know, what, what are you what are you aiming at? Are you are you aiming to to care for the person and and this um, intervention? Uh, uh, certainly, many many um, uh, extraordinary measures are 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 um, 
are not out of the question for a person if your aim is at, at caring for them um, as opposed to, to actually shortening their life. For, for example, in, in Haley's case, um, there was hope. Mm-hmm. They were treating your condition. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yes, yes. So, it's, so that's really, it's not, it's not you know, it's a, a, a helpful distinction, ordinary versus um, extraordinary or, or uh, extra-heroic uh, efforts. But really it's, uh, it's the, uh, the person, the individual person, the patient, um, what there, as you as you noted in in the importance of um, of advanced directives, um, what is you know what are their wishes? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are their wishes if they're if they're um, able to express express that? And and what is the aim? Um, uh, and and it's also important to realize that um, that people of goodwill and and Christians um, will. This is such a complex issue and. and and the technological uh, progress that has been made, the medical, the, the wonderful things that have come to us through medicine, um, uh, it becomes more and more complex and, and, and more and more difficult to, to uh, determine when. And one of the issues is, has the person in their, in their journey to death, have they passed the point of no return? Is their condition, you know, if they're, are they on the downward slope? Uh, is their condition... Um, uh, in re- irreversible. Um, if I might say something, um, at certain points, with in my experience, when I um, was on life support, there were physicians that, um, whether they said it out loud or just by their face, um, they did not think that I was going to pull through. Mm-hmm. Um, however, yeah. and this is something that I've been thinking about a lot. Um, the will to live is a big thing. And, like, I mean, of course, I was unconscious um, when I was on life support, but there was something in there fighting, and I had all those prayers out there for me. So that's just something to think about as well, I think. That's uh, one of those mysteries, right, Pastor? Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. And, and for a Christian, um, the, the fact, you know, the factor of the Creator mm-hmm. um, and, 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 and leaving it, leaving it in his hands. I mean, we can't we can't second guess what what he's going to do. And if if um, if things are as we believe, uh, really truly in his hands, um, then uh, you know, then that's a factor to consider. Well, then let's leave it in his hands to bring us back from this commercial. When we return here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt, stay with us, Reverend Erickson. We'll be back in a moment. Have you been wanting to learn about a will or a trust but haven't gotten around to it? Now is the perfect time to learn about this vital information. The attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. We educate our children so that they're prepared for the future. Call Marquardt Law Firm at 210-530-4278 to show your family that you are prepared for the future. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marcourt. I'm your co-host, Christiana Villegas, and we're joined here today with Ms. Haley Palmer and Reverend Patrick Erickson over on the phone with us. Can you still hear us, Reverend? Yes, uh-huh. Rever- here. <laughs> Re- Reverend, you know at Marcourt Law Firm we focus on estate and business law, including last wills, living trusts, and estate planning. We like to ask our guests on the show about their legacy. If if you were to leave a legacy, uh, what would that? What would you want that to be? People to remember you by, or have you received a legacy that you'd like to share? Yes. Um, when we uh, when we contacted um, when we contacted you, Todd, your your firm. Um, one of our situations certainly we're not unique. My wife and I are not unique, but we have no children, mm-hmm. and uh, and neither one of us. We kind of come from from somewhat dysfunctional backgrounds, and uh, neither one of us have any uh, close relatives that, that that we could depend upon to to help us in these matters. Um, 
at life's end as we as we grow older, and so uh, we had we we thought a long time um, and prayed and prayed about it what what to do what, you know since we don't have anyone that will intervene for us that are that are that are close to us that are either relatives or or friends and um, and that was our uh, sort of our impetus for for contacting um, the Marquardt law firm was we we knew of their reputation um, for for uh, doing these things from a Christian uh, point of view, and um, um, and we we also um, uh, we we don't we don't have a lot of um, of assets, but we have some, and um, uh, we as good stewards of, uh, of of all that God has given us, we we wanted to to leave uh, the remainder of those assets to to um, since we since we have no children and no relatives. Uh, uh, that we're close to 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 leave it uh, to some charity um, that that we believe in, and our two choices were, from my wife's point of view, um, Bethesda. Bethesda is a is a Lutheran um, uh, entity that that cares for uh, children uh, with disabilities, and 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 their uh, the spectrum of care is is uh, is universal, and it. And it and they care for those for those individuals um, as long as they're placed in their custody. They care for them throughout their life, so that even as they grow older, they're still they're still cared for in their institutions. And they've been very innovative in, in this area, and um, and have a long history, a long track record. So they were one. And my wife has a has a brother that is that has um, disabilities, and and so that's a, a matter that's near and dear to her heart. So we chose Bethesda as a recipient of. Of our remainder assets, and and then from my point of view, um, uh, the uh, one of our one of our two national uh, seminaries in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, um, uh, Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, and um, I'm I've been very pleased with um, with their record and and with uh, how ably they prepare uh, ministers, missionaries, and deaconesses um, um, for for church work. So, so it was it, it was important to us um, to leave that legacy um, to uh, and and to and in terms of um, advanced directives, um, uh, that's an un, I think a, an unusual aspect of uh, of the Marquardt Law Firm uh, firm is that they is that they specialize in in care for veterans. My my wife's brother is a veteran, um, elder law. Um, which of course is concerns <laughs> both both uh, my wife and I and, and my brother-in-law, and um, and from a Christian perspective, and they and they have a special way of dealing with advanced directives and and um, and making that part of uh, in our case a living will. I mean, I mean a living uh, uh, trust. Yeah, trust. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So that would be, I guess, would be my response to Yeah, to thank that. you so much like, for sharing that with the audience. Haley, uh, same thing. Uh, would you like to share a legacy that, that you've learned or received or a legacy that you'd like to leave? Um, the more I think about it, well, hopefully it's a long time from now, <laughs> <laughs> but I hope that the ECMO... Um, system is still around um if not better by that point in time if they can make it better um but definitely definitely um to research in that area um because it is close to my heart and those nurses and doctors work nonstop and um really do care for you and um also near and dear to my heart um are animals i've always said if i were to win the lottery um, I'd open up a, a no-kill shelter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so those are, and um, with animals, um, I'll just say that we do paw plans that we call them or pet trusts, right, which I think right. is great because everyone always loves an animal, especially when you're older. And um, what's to happen to those pets if you were to pass away? Right, our non-human family members. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you said something that that does remind me I need to update my trust because uh, if I'm not able to start the Chihuahua farm oh, that I want, then I, I should probably have somebody else start that. Yeah, <laughs> I think 
I finally come up with what my legacy would be. Okay, sure. And it would have to be the the values of being curious. I've I've always been curious about wanting to learn anything and everything that I could put my hands on, um, learning other people's cultures, languages, histories, stories, fictions, nonfiction, and always having these questions floating around in my head. So the legacy I would want to leave is to find out something new by asking a question that you never thought of before or finding out on a topic that you're not familiar with. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that we'll remember you for that mm-hmm. someday. Um, so just to wrap up what we've been talking about, at the end of life, uh, which we don't know when it's going to come, none of us has a crystal ball, uh, we might be in that situation where we're suffering from an irreversible or terminal illness or injury. and we might not be able to say what kind of medical care and treatment we want, where we want to be, do we want to be at home, do we want to be in the nicest retirement center in town, or do we want to leave the largest inheritance we can? Well, that's why we have the episode today on Talk Law Radio for you to tell us that, Todd. Yes, <laughs> and the the best way that we can make our wishes known uh, as far as our health care is concerned, is by having a medical power of attorney, uh, directive to physician, a HIPAA release and authorization. And if you're really passionate about it and you want to make sure that your written wishes are followed and legally enforceable, then we wrap all that up and, and combine it with uh, the terms of a living trust. I call that the take care of clause. Mm -hmm. And then you can be real specific about what you want to have happen and who would have authority to do that and pay for it. Well, it sounds like a lot of documents. Remind us again, you need to have a couple thousand saved up for it, right? Well, the cost is uh, probably unique to everybody because it depends on the customization that's included. Um, But... uh, you get what you pay for, and if you want it to be cheap and easy, then your plan is probably going to be cheap. But if you want something that's comprehensive and professional, well, then you hire a professional to do that. And we have professionals at Marquardt Law Firm. There's other professionals in town, uh, friends of mine, estate planning attorney, that will do a good job uh, also with those things. So then if you want to set up a consultation right before you start traveling for the holidays, you should really visit MarcourtLawFirm.com. I wanted to mention, uh, Christiana, that some of our clients like to include a statement of faith. Mm-hmm. And I, I put that in the form of a, a preamble in the will or in the trust. Um, there, there's... Catholics that have a, a, a variation of that preamble. There's there's other religions that have um, specific things that they want as far as um, medical care that they do or they don't want. For example, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses don't want to receive blood transfusions. We have clients that uh, belong to that faith that we've helped. And uh, some people have specific directions in their inheritance that that say um, if you fall away from the faith, then you're not going to receive an inheritance, things like that. So then there's no such thing as a cookie-cutter will, or at least not an effective one. You can really detail what you want to have done. I like to tell people you're not a cookie. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen it too many times where someone either looks it up online or goes to a cheaper attorney, and it's really just a basic, none of their wishes are put into the will. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just the basic, almost as if you died without a will. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's unfortunate. A lot of people don't realize it. And um, a good thing that I've also noticed is putting those wishes out there as specific as you want so that your family 
in the long run, when you do pass away, there's no arguments there. Right. We want to reduce family conflict Mm -hmm. and build family harmony. And when the the patriarch or the matriarch is gone, Mm -hmm. a lot of times that's the glue that was holding everybody together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it too many times where families just get into nasty arguments because something wasn't spelled out quite well enough in the will or the trust. And yes, you might be paying a little bit more. Um, but I like to think of it as you're planning for not only your future, but your family's future. And so there's no arguments there once you're gone, because I doubt anyone wants their family. If I told you that after you pass away, your children are going to hate each other, mm-hmm. would you want that? I don't think anyone <laughs> would. So then I think this is something people need to put on their to-do list. We're going to be gone for the next two weeks, at least here on Talk Law Radio. And while we are gone, you should visit marcourtlawfirm.com, M-A-R-Q-U-A-R, D like Delta, T like Tango, lawfirm.com. Contact us. We can get you started with a consultation or find an attorney near you so that way you could put your wishes to paper. What are the next episodes that are recorded? Well, the next recorded episodes will be our interview with Peaches Halls that will be this coming Saturday at 11 o'clock. Then, on the 4th of January, also at 11 o'clock, we will be interviewing Seth Walton, Ramey Greer, and Cindy Morgan, covering about disability rights. But stay tuned every Saturday morning at 11 o'clock, or even visit TalkLawRadio.com, where you can find all of our previous podcasts. I hope that everyone has a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's. (laughs) We'll see you again in the next year, but stay tuned for 11 o'clock Talk Law Radio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 